Horses, I can take or leave. Equality, on the other hand, I quite like. And in horse racing, more than almost any other sport, they have it. You'd better believe it, she becomes the first woman in history to ride the winner of the world's most famous horse race. She wins the Grand National on Minella Times. In any stress-filled elite sport, there are rows and incidents. But what happens when traditional ways of jockeys resolving disputes among themselves take on a new dimension? She makes the point in her complaint that no other jockey had ever done this to her, and she didn't feel that was right. Peek inside the weighing rooms of the National Hunt horse racing circuit, and you may wonder whether attitudes have kept pace with who's riding the horses. It seems to me that what the jockeys have done is to say to the women, look, you're coming into our world and you're going to have to play by our rules. You're listening to Stories of Our Times from the Times of the Sunday Times. I'm David Aronovich. Today, the bullying inquiry that's shaken British horse racing. So they're about to cross the Melling Road and it's Norton Brook by a few lengths to Bally Cassidy who sits in second. In third position is Bewley's Berry followed by Libertine. If you ride over fences, it doesn't matter if you're the most talented, successful jockey in the weighing room or if you're the least. You both shared the danger and the danger is very high. That's David Walsh, chief sports writer for the Sunday Times. It's a guarantee you're going to have a certain number of falls every year. It's not a guarantee what the outcome of the falls is going to be. Most times, thankfully, jockeys get back up and they're fine. A lot of times, they're not fine. There won't be one jockey in a weighing room who wasn't friends or a colleague of somebody who was killed. They will all know somebody who lost their life riding horses over fences. And it's that danger that underpins the incredible camaraderie that you do get. There is a kind of a cliche about national hunt racing. They say it's the only place that when you go to your place of work and you begin doing your job, you're chased by an ambulance. And the ambulance is always there behind the pack of horses as they jump the fences. Risky and exhilarating. A few years back in the southeast of Ireland, it enchanted a young boy. I was entranced by watching horses race on television. And I ended up going to race meetings, trips that were sponsored by my mum, who would give me £10 on two conditions. One, she got half the winnings if I won any money. (laughs) And two, I didn't tell my dad. (laughs) Horse racing remains one of my great loves in sport. I now live in Newmarket, for God's sake. Before a race, there's going to be a certain amount of nervousness togetherness so so the jockeys will talk about stuff like who wants to make the running today who wants to take the pace on whose horse likes to be out front whose horse likes to be on the inside and all of that is spoken about so people kind of know their places in the race and then may the best horse win but there's a mutual respect for the safety of your colleagues because as i say all of them have seen the bad outcomes now The drama that we're going to be talking about has two protagonists, two jockeys. Can you tell us about them in turn? And first, can you tell us about Robbie Dunn? Robbie Dunn is a 42-year-old Irish National Hunt jockey. National Hunt means he rides over fences and hurdles. He's Irish, but he works in the UK. But that's pretty normal for jockeys because half the weighing room in the UK would be packed with Irish-born jockeys. Robbie Dunn's had a good career 
but not an outstanding one. I suppose if journalists were writing about him, they'd probably describe him as a journeyman. Um, I'm delighted to say that Robbie Dunn joins us after his national heroics. He still plugged on and managed to get the horse placed. Initially, I thought that was it, race over. But he just, I nursed him back into the race, just took me time and I've got him into a rhythm. You don't get many opportunities to ride the Grand National, so you've got to make the most of them. All sports, horse racing included, is full of people like Robbie Dunn. They're not the stars. The success of his career lies in its longevity. He's now in his early 40s. He's still able to earn a living from riding horses over fences. And given how difficult the sport is, how dangerous it is, that's an achievement. So that's Robbie Dunn. Now tell us about Bryony Frost. Bryony Frost, I would say, is one of the stars of the sport. She's a star in part because she's a great rider and in part because she's a female great rider. In a 2018 interview, Bryony Frost was optimistic about gender equality in the sport. The margins are, are getting smaller with some of the girls that are really kicking hard out there and, and making tracks and breaking moulds. Um, and the perception of National Hunt girls being weak is going smaller as well. There was always an antagonism almost towards women competing in National Hunt racing because the feeling was that the sport was just too tough, that women would not be able to cope with the regular falls that anybody riding over fences is going to have. I worked very hard when I was a little girl at being basically a boy. <laughs> I had two older brothers, so since I could sit up, I was sticking my elbows out. A National Hunt jockey is going to fall one in every 12, one in every 15 rides. And if they're on an unlucky run, it'll be more than that. When you hit the ground, if I, if I haven't got a broken bone, I'm getting up and riding the next horse. That's, that's it. Bryony came into the sport. She's 25 years of age. She's already achieved two grade one victories. She became the first woman rider to win at the, at, at the Cheltenham Festival. It's Brodon and Bryony Frost. Made in racing heaven, he's gonna see it out to win again at Cheltenham, and he wins the Ryanair. And then last December, she had the, the greatest victory of her career when she rode Frodon to win the King George VI chase at Kempton Park. That's the number one race, that's the race that everybody watches at Christmas time. She gave the most brilliant interview after the race, as she always does. He was in great form leaving the yard this morning. He was squealing. Kate Knight, our head travelling girl, gave me a, a nudge this morning and said, He's all right. I, hope you got, I hope you had spinach for your Christmas dinner last night. And I smiled. Some of those fences, I asked for some mega jumps and he just, he just delivered with an absolute smile on his face. And he is so quick. Very emotional, very articulate. And people who might be straying across in front of the TV, they hear Bryony being interviewed, they stop and they listen because she describes riding a racehorse like maybe no jockey in the history of National Hunt racing. I was shouting, go on, Frode, time to go, bud. Going down the back, I'm thinking, Frodon, we've got to have a minute. He's still taking me on, this is ridiculous. Like I do jump the last twice, don't I? <laughs> the French would say she's... Très médiatique, and, and that is true. She's very media-friendly, and, and she's been a, a great kind of promoter of the sport. We have this steady 42-year-old uh, has made a career out of this quite dangerous sport, and this genuinely stellar young woman who has shown that women absolutely can compete with the men. Now, we're talking about a relatively small group of people. Do they collect together 
in physical places before and after races and so on where they have to come into contact with each other? Yeah, they do. It's called the weighing room. And jockeys might turn up up to two hours before racing. They'll start uh, filing into the weighing room. And they call it the weighing room because there's a scales there. And every jockey has to be weighed before they go out to ride their horses. And for years and years, it was a room full of males. And then women started to, to ride in races. And in all race courses, they're given a separate changing room. But, but the women will have to come and be weighed as well. So they interact in the weighing room to a degree with the male jockeys. Every jockey has a valet who looks after the jockey's kind of colours and stuff. And the valet will give you give you your colours and have things ready for you. Well, the woman's valet might be in the men's changing room. So that would mean she would have to go and see her valet. So there is a certain amount of interaction, even if they have separate changing facilities. Right, which is really unusual. I mean, I can't think of a parallel anywhere else. No, there isn't. And I think that makes racing pretty unique in terms of women competing in a very physical sport right alongside men. So we have the protagonist and we feel like we have the background. Now, could you talk us through a a particular race where both Dunn and Frost have run together? Uh, I think there was one in Stratford. Starter lets them go. Two miles and a furlong for the RSA. Get involved. Join a syndicate. Handicap chase. Twelve fences to cross. That's right. Uh, In July of last year, Brownie Frost is on a horse called Wisecracker. And Robbie Dunn is on a horse called Killian's Well. And if you watch the race, there is one tiny moment in the race where they come into close contact. But to the naked eye watching this, nothing much has happened. Now, when the race ends, I think Wisecracker might have finished second and Killian's well fourth or fifth. Peterborough makes most. To beat Wisecracker, a gentleman ran third, Istimra was fourth, and they were clear of Elixir and behind those, Killian's well. So the horses go past the finish line and Robbie Dunn approached uh, Briny Frost and a verbal altercation took place. Now, it was heated, It seemed that Robbie Dunn was doing most of the talking. Swear words were used. Robbie Dunn accused Briny Frost of the colloquial expression is murdering him. Now, it's not a literal murder. It's it's very metaphorical. And what he means is that she's come across into his path, causing him to have to slightly adjust and, and, and slow down his horse to avoid the horses getting entangled in each other and possibly causing a fall. So that's his complaint. She says, I don't know what you're talking about. I didn't do that. But underpinning that altercation was a relationship that really hadn't been very good. Putting it, I suppose, politely, you would say that Robbie Dunn wasn't Briny Frost's cup of tea. If you were just to look at it with the naked eye, you wouldn't necessarily notice anything. But the upshot of it is some kind of altercation. Let's now go back to last September and there's a serious complaint made. Can you tell us who makes the complaint? Who do they make it about? And who do they make it to? The complaint basically is made by Briony Frost to the British Horse Racing Authority. And she alleges that Robbie Dunn has been bullying and harassing her and has used threatening behaviour against her. And in the complaint, 
she accused him of basically exposing himself in front of her in the weighing room. In other words, he is in a state of undress that she thinks is inappropriate. And she makes the point in her complaint that no other jockey had ever done this to her. And uh, she didn't feel that was right. And can we say it's an unprecedented complaint or have there been other serious complaints in history? Complaints made by one jockey against another are incredibly rare because there has been a tradition in the weighing room for jockeys to sort out their own differences. If a jockey rides in a manner that endangers one of his colleagues, the stewards will investigate that. And often the jockey who's been the victim will play down what happened in the race because they've always had a a certain reservation about handing over authority to the stewards to adjudicate on stuff that happens in races. They like to, in in a sense, police themselves. So when Bryony Frost went and made a complaint against Robbie Dunn, it was almost uh, like breaking ranks. And Bryony Frost knew when she made that complaint that there would be pushback from the weighing room. Right. So in a sense, you you describe an atmosphere of what happens in weighing room stays in weighing room, uh, if you like. Now, what she was complaining about is actually a pattern of behaviour. But let's go back to Stratford and go into a little bit more detail because Robbie Dunn's speech to her is really quite something, isn't it? Yes, it is. Now, he claims he didn't say what Bryony Frost says he said. So there is a dispute on the evidence. She alleges that he used the C word to her, that he used the W word. She was quite stressed by what he said to her. It was a big incident and it would be the forerunner to an even bigger one. So we have that one at Stratford in which you talk about the language of cutting across another jockey as, as murder. And he says, according to her, if you ever effing murder me like that again, I'll murder you. Yes. Coming up, strong language turns to something altogether more serious. But first... I'm Matthew Campbell, foreign features editor at the Sunday Times. I've always had a hunger for news, finding out things about parts of the world away from the beaten track. We can only do this thanks to the subscribers of The Times and Sunday Times. Subscribe today by visiting thetimes.co.uk forward slash stories of our times. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. Two months after their first major incident, Dunn and Frost were performing again in another race over the fences. Different race course, same horses. Bryony Frost was riding the same horse she'd ridden at Stratford that day, Wisecracker, and Robbie Dunn was riding Killian's Well, the horse he had ridden that day. It's another steeplechase. The story unfolds six fences from home. 
Wisecracker in second, American Craftsman is in third, Centre of Excellence now just driven along. Killian's well sneaks up the inside, still travelling okay. And at the sixth last fence, you can see Briony Frost Horse jumps the fence well, but jumps us a little bit from right to left. Now, horses do that all the time, and it's something that jockeys have to deal with. When they came to the fifth last from home, same thing. Wisecracker jumps a little bit from right to left. Now, this is where it all happened. Robbie Dunn is slightly on the inside of Briony Frost. So when Wisecracker and Briony Frost jump the fence, they jump it a little bit left. And directly behind them, you can see Killian's Well hits the fence and tumbles. Cawthorn made a bad mistake and fell, seems to have brought down uh, Killian's Well, who might have fallen independently. Dragon Khan could well have been brought down as well. So plenty of mishap there at that fence so far as they make their way around the turn out of the back straight. It's a depleted field. In that fall, Killian's Welder Horse suffered a fatal injury. He broke his shoulder and had to be euthanized. About an hour later in the weighing room, according to Briony Frost, Robbie Dunn approaches, clearly very angry, and he basically accuses her of having killed his horse. And Briony Frost thinks, I've heard enough of this, and she stands up for herself. And she says she didn't do anything wrong. And the verbal altercation between them escalates. And Robbie Dunn says, when I ride against you next time, I'm going to put you through the wing of a fence. You, you get the wing on the approach to a fence or immediately after. If a horse got pushed into a wing, it, it would be potentially extremely dangerous uh, for the horse and the jockey. Robbie Dunn was threatening physical retribution. That's what Briony Frost alleges. Robbie Dunn, in his interview with the BHA investigator admits that he pretty much said that. When that row ended, Briony Frost became very upset and fearful, it would have to be said, because she felt she was being absolutely threatened. So Briony Frost rang her dad and she was in tears. And Jimmy Frost, her dad, who had been a Grand National winning jockey, said, you must report him. Briony made an official complaint. And here we are now more than 13 months down the road, and the case still hasn't been um, resolved. But the BHA have investigated it and come up with a report into Bryony Frost's allegations. Now, what does that report conclude? The report suggests that Robbie Dunn has a case to answer. There's also other races where Bryony Frost says, Robbie Dunn rode in a way that was very aggressive towards me and very threatening for me in another race. So other races are involved. But the BHA report concluded that they believed that he had been guilty of bullying and threatening behaviour towards Brandy Frost. As a pattern of behaviour and not just as a one-off at any particular time. Yes, absolutely. The report was submitted in April. It runs to 120 pages but British Horse Racing Authority won't comment on next steps. And this was based on a series of allegations that were made by Brownie Frost of systematic intimidation and bullying over a period of, of several months and several rides. David, this BHA report has been leaked to you but not published. Why do you think it hasn't been published yet? To publish it would probably be detrimental to the accused party, Robbie Dunn. It is a report, it comes with recommendations, but Robbie Dunn is entitled to an oral hearing. Natural justice would be served by Robbie Dunn having that hearing without the report already being out there. So in other words, you don't think it's a matter of them trying to suppress the report, it's a matter of fair process? 
Yes, absolutely. Whether there is a sanction or not, we will find out. But there will be a judgment after the hearing. And in sporting stuff, a lot of the time, all you get is the judgment. You don't get the initial report that underpinned the judgment. Right. Interesting. Now, Frost and Dunn competed against each other for the first time since all this happened last week. How did that go? It was interesting because Brownie Frost was on the odds-on favourite and uh, Robbie Dunn was on a five-to-one shot at Ludlow. Yeah? And Robbie Dunn's, you could say, outsider won well. It was a nice victory. 100 yards to cover, done all action here on Cup of Coffee. Frost trying to galvanise rainy day, woman down the near side, but Cup of Coffee is just too strong. The two jockeys stayed quite a bit apart from each other. They, they didn't come in any way close to each other. There was no chance of interference or a kind of aggressive riding. They gave each other a wide berth in that finish. And, and, and Robbie Dunn had a great victory. One of the things that's really interesting also about your reports on this is the bit where you come to the evidence being taken from other women jockeys. Could you take us through that and what you think the implication of it all was? They interviewed the women jockeys because Briony Frost had said that other women jockeys had been subjected to Robbie Dunn's, what she called, crassness. And of the five, four of them basically said he wouldn't be to everybody's taste, but, you know, we get on fine now. When I was younger, he had this persistent banter that wasn't overly pleasant, but now we're good. And basically, they said, nothing to see here. The one exception was a former jockey called Hannah Walsh. And Hannah Walsh left the sport last year and she's now training to become a nurse. And Hannah Walsh said, yes, I found that women jockeys were not respected in the weighing room. We were treated as kind of inferior. She recalled one particular incident of what she felt was bullying behaviour by a jockey. And the jockey she names is Robbie Dunn. Why is it that the jockey who's left the sport says that the culture in the weighing room is, is not what it should be and that Robbie Dunn had behaved badly towards me. And the women jockeys who were still in the weighing room took what I would call a much softer line towards their experiences. I found it quite uneasy to read the statements given by the male jockeys in the weighing room, the ones who sit close to Robbie Dunn. They basically said, yeah, you know, there was a problem between Robbie and Bryony like, it's the kind of thing that happens in the weighing room all the time. It wasn't that bad. If I felt Robbie had gone too far, I would have intervened. They interviewed the valets, the people who look after the jockeys. Everybody is playing it down. The BHA investigators felt that they didn't get complete and forthright statements from the jockeys they interviewed. The BHA feels there is a culture of condoning aggressive and threatening behaviour in the weighing room. You could see a circumstance under which if the BHA were a slightly timid organisation, it would want to go along with that view that it was not out of the normal and maybe it shouldn't happen, but let's not make too much of it. But they haven't done that, have they? The investigators came back with a report that says, look, you need to treat this very, very seriously because this behaviour and this culture needs to stop. The senior jockeys need to realise that the day when what happened in the weighing room stays in the weighing room, that should have been consigned to history a long time ago. And it certainly should have been consigned to history on the day that women became bigger players in the sport. It seems to me 
that what the jockeys have done is to say to the women, look, you're coming into our world and you're going to have to play by our rules. Now, Robbie Dunn admits threatening behaviour, but he denies misogynistic language. How did the British Horse Racing Authority conclude that his conduct was, and I'm quoting, prejudicial to the integrity or good reputation of racing? Their belief that because he was harassing and threatening and bullying Briony Frost, that that damages the image of racing. Because Briony Frost is a colleague of Robbie Dunn's and she's a woman. The allegations against him are serious on that basis. Anybody who reads the report will will say that Robbie Dunn definitely deserves his oral hearing, but he does have some explaining to do. Now, some people will read this as an argument between two jockeys. That's the kind of thing that happens. Um, why do you think it is more significant than that? Since I've been following racing, there's always been some women who rode against the men, but they were very few and very far between. They don't share a changing room, but they share a weighing room. So there is that constant interaction. Once that constant interaction happened, in my view, there was a need for a change in the behavior. There are now women around and the men couldn't behave in the way that that men do when they're in a men's only changing room. And I think that national hunt racing has been slow to adapt Many of the women who ride in there say they don't have a problem. Bronny Frost's experience was different. I believe that too many of the men are thinking, this is the way we've always done it and we don't need to change. The very fact that horse racing is a sport which you have depicted really well as being one where women are now actively competing on a level playing field and winning, does that mean that actually it's got to make more of a cultural shift than other sports to accommodate these new realities. Yes, I believe it does. While the weighing room has come some of the way, it hasn't come all of the way. If the Briny Frost complaint brings about that final step to take the weighing room right into the 21st century, if Briny's complaint achieves that, it will not have been in vain. David, since you since you ran these stories, have you had any comeback from the industry at all. This uh, pertains to Robbie Dunn and Bryony Frost and the article that David Walsh has written in today's Sunday Times, which is emblazoned across two pages of the sports section. Oh, yeah, yeah. The guy in the Racing Post was talking about the Sunday Times delivering an uppercut to racing, somehow kind of confusing our role as journalists with the role of promoters. A lot of the people who work in racing they realise that it's a sport that's got real challenges. It's not nearly as relevant to the UK sporting landscape as it once was. There's a huge issue about horse welfare. There's a huge issue about jockey welfare. And when the stories that I wrote appeared, there was a feeling of the sport being under attack. Now, I would say the stories are there to show up what isn't right about racing and what needs to change. And ultimately, if the changes are made, somebody might look back and say the stories were very helpful. So what of Bryony Frost? After all of this, is she going to stick around? I'd say Bryony Frost is, is a bit different. She's not the woman jockey that everybody in the weighing room loves been very successful commercially because she's attracted sponsors where jockeys often don't. She gets very good horses to ride. Rather than that be seen as something that's great for the sport, I think there's been a little bit of jealousy, a little bit of resentment, and that has made Brandy Frost's life more difficult. 
Brandy Frost is part of this generation of women jockeys that have given the sport a tremendous injection of new energy and diversity. So women jockeys are doing a hell of a lot for the sport, but they need to be better appreciated. Where do you see this ending up? The beginning of the end comes when the BHA hears Robbie Dunn's defence and adjudicates if a sanction is applicable, how severe a sanction. That's going to be the first part of the conclusion. The second part is going to be inside the weighing room itself. Are the senior jockeys going to stand back and look at this from outside and say, look, guys, we thought what we were doing was fine, but actually it wasn't fine. And we do need to change our behaviours. And I also see the BHA having to make sure that women don't have to go into a weighing room where male jockeys may be in a state of undress. In this day and age, that shouldn't happen. You've been listening to Stories of Our Times, a podcast brought to you thanks to subscribers of The Times and The Sunday Times with me, David Aronovich, and my guest, Chief Sports Writer for The Sunday Times, David Walsh. You can find all of David's work at thetimes.co.uk or in print on Sundays. The producer was Oliver Adamson, the executive producer is Kate Ford, and sound design was by Vulcan Kiseltook. And if you have a story you think we should be covering, an idea for a future episode, or thoughts on what you've just heard, send us an email to times at thetimes.co.uk. See you again soon. <laughs>